Well, good morning. Um, we are in a series called the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Today, we are going to be looking at the God who promises. And last week, we looked at the God who calls. And we looked at, in Genesis 12 last week, we looked at Abram, which he later becomes Abraham. We'll see that today. But last week, we saw that that the God who calls often asks us to do what is uncomfortable. And we also saw that the, that the God who calls always rewards obedience. We know that God rewards the, that obedience. We don't always see it right away, but he rewards it. Uh, and also, the, the God who calls expects his blessing to be shared. So that we, God blesses the people of Israel and he, his whole goal there was so that they would be a blessing to the world and people would see the difference of this nation. And now that's, that's our calling too, is that God blesses his church and his, his people that we would not just be hoarders of this blessing, but that we would share this blessing with others. And we saw last week that the main idea was that the God who calls is the God who blesses. So God, when God calls us to do something hard, he's also, there's blessing in there. God is blessing those who call and those who have obedience to him. So today we're looking at the God who promises. And we're going to be looking mostly at in, in Genesis 17. So you can open your Bibles to Genesis 17. But I just wanted to ask you first, when, when you make a promise to somebody, uh, do we always keep that promise? Especially like as kids, I promise, I promise, I'll, I'll, I'll tell, you, you can count on me. Well, I notice, notice if we just promise things and we always fulfill the promise, then we would never have to then, like as kids, say like, well, you know, I, I, I really will do it. And then how do, you, how do you start saying, I'll really do it, I promise, I, I swear, or like you start saying, uh, you know, all right. Or even as you start getting into some of those dares, like I, I dare. So there's all these different ways of like trying to back up your promise because it might not really be true. But with God, God always keeps His promises. We don't have to worry. Is God going to keep the promise? You might. We might have to worry when God will keep the promise. But we don't have to worry that God, if He will keep the promise or not. And and we're going to see today in Genesis 17 and and beyond that. It takes a while for the promises that God is giving to Abram to be fulfilled. And so a little spoiler alert, that's what's going to happen. But most of us probably already know the story. But God's promises do do come true. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to, so as we go into into Genesis 17, I just want to give you a little recap, or not recap, but kind of what happens between when God calls Abram to leave his family, leave his household, or his uh, father's household, to leave his country, leave all the security that he knows, go to an unknown place, and trust in this God who's calling him. Then what happens after that is, you know, he gets into some, some little, uh, or there's some things that happen in, in uh, Egypt, where, uh, and then he and then he, he and his um, nephew Lot separate, and then, and then Abram has to rescue him. And then in 15, that, that, that God is giving this covenant 
to his, 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 calling, his person he's calling, Abram. And, and he tells him again and again these promises of, of I am with you. I'm going to be giving you a great reward if you obey me. All these things about this blessing of being a great nation and giving this land to him. And, and so even in, in chapter 15, Abram's trying to figure out how it's going to happen. Because remember, when all this started and God gave this promise, do you guys remember how old Abram was? 75, I heard over here. 75 years old. I don't want to uh, have you guys raise your hand if you're 75 or not, but um, if you don't have any kids and you're age 75 and God says you're going to be a father of a great nation, you might kind of be wondering a little bit of like how that's going to happen. You might, I don't know. And after some years, Abram, even though he believed God, he still was kind of struggling with the how. How is God going to do this? Because he was 75 and and now he's like 80 and 85. And how how is this going to happen, God? I'm not getting younger. I wonder if some of us think that sometimes. I'm not getting any younger. How is this going to happen, God? And so even in, in 15, he's then asking, he's asking, is it going to be, is this me being a father of a great nation? Is the blessing going to go through my servant? You know, it's not, and no, he's like, no, it's going to go through, it's going to be your son. He's like, okay, okay. All right, so my son, okay. And then finally, his wife, Sarai, gives him this crazy idea, which he agrees to, to marry the, her, her maid, Hagar, and to have a child with her with her because most likely she's much younger so it's not just that abram is old it's that his wife is also way past the years of childbearing she was 10 years younger than him but clearly past the years of when you could have a baby so anyways so he agrees to this and this child ishmael is born and and so abram kind of abram and sarai they kind of think they fixed the problem okay god promised this great nation, I would be the father of this great nation, and we fixed the problem. All right, good, God, now, now you don't have to worry about it. We did it for you. And I wonder sometimes if we kind of do that. When God promises, then we try to figure out the how, and we're like, okay, God, we're helping you out. We're helping. We're helping you out, God. And in, in chapter 17, where we're going to jump in today, we're going to find out that Ishmael is not the plan. Now, it, the plans, I mean, Ishmael was born, and and he was blessed in, different, in a different way. But we're going to find out that that wasn't what God wanted to happen. Or at least that's what not the blessing of the great nation was going to be through him. So in Genesis 17, verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old. So how many years after he, God first promised? Good job. I, a, lot of you, a lot of you guys are good at math. 24! All right, I heard a lot of people say 24. Yes, 75, and now he's up to 99. So that means that his wife, Sarai, is how old? 89. Very good. Okay, I'm not going to have you guys raise your hand if you're 89. (laughs) But still, it seems pretty doubtful that God, well, to, to humans, that God can do this, have a baby from these elderly people. All right. So when he's 99, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blameless. 
then I will make a covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be a father of many nations. Okay, stop there in, after verse 4. And Abram is going to be a father of many nations. Now, he's going he's to have a great nation and many nations. Uh, I mean, not only is he, is he old and he, doesn't, he only has one child that's kind of a, in a strange relationship there, um, but now he's, he's saying he's going to be the father of many nations. So how is he going to be this father of many nations if he doesn't have any other kids? And, and so I think sometimes it's, we, we get into this problem of we, we want to trust God and we so, sometimes trust God. And I think Abram, in the same sense, was, was wanting to trust God and believed that God would do it, but he had to do it, but he needed help that God wasn't powerful enough or wasn't thinking through this enough that, you know, we need to help. And so um, today our, our first point is that the God who promises wants us to trust His ways. The God who promises wants us to not trust, not, not, trust, not, not try to figure out the plan. He wants us to trust His ways. I mean, Last week I was telling you about the, the story of how we kind of um, moved. God has, has called me in my life different times. I think if he would have told me from the get-go, okay, you're going to be in Nicaragua 12 years, and after that I'm going to send you to seminary, and after that I'm going to have you be a, a pastor in East Bend Mennonite Church in, in Fisher, Illinois, I would have been like, oh, okay, nice. That, that's good to know, but like 15 years... Late, uh, 15 years in advance, knowing all that information, it might have changed how I thought of the present and how I looked towards the future. Now, God didn't call me and tell me all the details. He just said, trust me. Trust me. And throughout the story, he just wanted me to trust him. And he gives me a little bit more and a little bit more. And I think that's the same now. He wants us just to trust him and not try to figure out all the details. I mean, there's a there's a mess of a lot of things out there in the world that we could try to figure out all the details, try to figure out all these things, but God is saying, trust me. Trust me. His ways are not our ways. We, we know that in, in Isaiah. God's ways are different than our ways and are higher than our ways, and, and it's, they don't even compare. So we, we want to know the details. We want to know the how. We want to know the when. I'm sure Abram wanted to know the how and the when too. God, if you're faithful, I know you're faithful, but how is this going to happen? And when is it going to happen? Now, hopefully it doesn't take 24 years, but it might. And maybe even longer if God's calling you to something and saying there's going to be blessing and promise for you, it might take 24 years. Maybe you're praying for someone in your family or a neighbor or a friend that, that doesn't know Christ or has gone away or something, and maybe... It's taken a long time. God is faithful. If he's promised something to you that's going to happen, don't give up. Don't try to figure out the how and the when. Just, just be open 
to whatever God gives you opportunity to do and trust him. So Abram believed God, but he wanted to figure out the how. And God wants us just to trust him, not letting him figure out the how. And then let's continue in in, uh, Genesis 17. And in verse 5, it says this. So he says you're going to be this this father of many nations. And we actually know that with Ishmael, that does become a nation and several nations under Ishmael. So it's not just that he's going to be a father of a great nation, but he is going to be a father of many nations. And that's, sometimes I think that's unfortunate for us because of how those nations have turned out. But they're all people that God created and all people that God loves. And so, you know, people like Micah and Melissa Ward, they're going over to a place to meet with Muslims, to, to try to show them the love of Jesus. I mean, we want to be part of like, Helping all people come to know the true God that loves them and sent his son to die for them. And other people that are really involved with the Muslims and other people groups too. But, okay, so in verse, in verse 5 it says, No longer will you be called Abram, for your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Now pause for a second here. Abram means exalted father. So no longer are you going to be called exalted father, which I wonder if Abram sometimes was like, my name means exalted father, and I'm, a, I'm an elderly man and I don't have kids. <laughs> uh, thanks for naming me that, Dad, but, and Mom. <laughs> but it's not really living up to what I am. I mean, maybe that it was kind of keeping him going. Okay, I'm exalted father, and now God's saying I'm going to be a great father in many nations. But Abraham, do you guys know what Abraham means? Father of many nations. So like we sing this song, like Father Abraham had many sons. Well, how many sons did Abraham have? Well, we're hearing, we're, we're hearing about Ishmael, and then we're going to hear about a guy named Isaac that the blessing goes through. But actually, if you keep reading, it talks about after Sarah died in chapter 24 that there's six more kids that came. <laughs> so, God, yeah, he is a father of many nations and, and many sons. We like to just think about the, the Isaac one. But anyways, all right, getting off track. All right, so God, God changes his name. And so he's going to be called Abraham. And we, whenever we talk about this guy and the rest of the Bible, we're talking about Abraham, the father of many nations. We're not talking about Abram very much. Do we go around and, and talk about Abram? Like when you're talking about this guy, the God of Abram? No, it's the God of Abraham. Throughout the Bible, we hear the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So God changes his name. He changes his identity. And in, in verse 6, it says, And I will make you fruitful, very fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Do we know that kings come from him? Yeah. There's a lot of kings that came from Abraham. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after, after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your, of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you 
an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So God's saying, I'm a, there's this covenant that I'm making with you. And it's not just you, but it's going to be your descendants. And all the people under you, I'm giving this land to you. And so we're going to find out about what is the terms of a covenant. Now, especially in very old times like this, a covenant was to be taken very seriously. Now, when we, we usually don't use the word covenant very often outside the Bible. We usually just talk about a promise or we talk about maybe a treaty or a deal. Usually, we, like, don't we usually say deal? Made a deal. When somebody gives an offer on a house, are you going to take the deal? We don't say a covenant. Well, because it's just a, it's a deal right then. It's once you sign it, once you fulfill your side of it, it's over. You pay the money, whatever, it's over. But a covenant is more than just a deal. It's an ongoing, and, 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 it, and God says it's an everlasting covenant. And so we're going to find out about this covenant and what some of the sides, of, what the, it entails. So here he says in verse 9, And God said Abram, or sorry, Abraham now, As for you, you must keep my covenant and your descendants after you for the generations to come. And this is my covenant with you and, and your descendants after you. This, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. If you want to understand what more of that means, there's a footnote there. You can re- look at <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> circumcision, not a very pleasant thing once he understood what it was. <laughs> I'll explain it to you later, David. <laughs> um, okay, so you are to undergo circumcision, which is much nicer for a male that's eight years old, eight, eight days old than for a man that's 99 years old, I'm sure. But it says, this will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those who are born in your household or brought uh, or bought with money from a foreigner or those who are, who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or brought with your money, they must be circumcised. Again and again, he's saying everybody, every male must be circumcised. This is the sign. This is the covenant. This is the part of the covenant that is the outward part of the deal that people need to understand and know what makes the Israelites, what makes Abraham's family different than the rest of the world. So God said, my covenant in your flesh will be an everlasting covenant. Verse 14 any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So God's taking this very seriously. If you're not going to do this, you're not, part of our, you're not part of my people. And God said to Abram, Ab, sorry, Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. How would you like that? I went home and said, by the way, Ellen, your name is no longer Ellen. God told me your name is whatever it is, right? Sorry, you have no choice in this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how the wife would take that. But I don't suggest trying that unless God actually says it to you, okay? But here, so now they both, both of their identities are now different. They, they had this identity for, for their whole married life, Abram and Sarah, and now they're Abraham and Sarah. But but you and I and those kids in Sunday school, they know that Abraham and Sarah, who they are. They, people don't really know as much about who Abram 
and Sarai are. It sounds almost foreign. A Spanish speaker, that's right. It's a, yeah, well, it's, yeah, that's right. In Spanish, Sarai is, is the same, right? But in English, Sarah is very different than Sarai. It, or it sounds much different, right? But yeah, so it, it's just a, it's very interesting there. So God changes both of their names. So then what is, so he says, I'm going to change her name, and then I'm going to bless her, and I'm going to surely give you, or give a son to, by her. So you catch this? So Abraham, Abraham this whole time might be thinking, okay, I have the deal. I have a son now. I'm going to have great, all these, these descendants after me because of Ishmael. But now he says, wait, God's saying, actually, the son is coming by your wife, Sarah. Wait a minute, wait a minute. She's 89. <laughs> okay, so 89. So then, and he says the same kind of things. I'm going to bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham fell face down and he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? And will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? The answer is yes. <laughs> and Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Why? What's wrong with Ishmael? He's my kid. I mean, he's, he's my firstborn son. Come on, God. And then in verse 19, God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac, which also means laughter. Interesting. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for the descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him and I will make him fruitful and he will greatly increase his numbers. And he will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But the covenant I establish, my covenant will, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear you by this time next year. When Abraham, or sorry, when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up, from him. On that very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael and all those born in his household were bought with his money, every male in his household, and, and circumcised them as God told them. Abraham was 99 when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his his household, or bought by a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Okay, so here we go. So Abraham and Sarah both have new names. Okay, and there's a sign, this outward sign of God's faithfulness, his covenant with the people of Abraham, his family. This sign is circumcision. Okay, and, and it, I, I was reading that said that Abraham's family... The covenant was Abraham's family would obey God. Sounds simple. Obey God. That's their side of it. Uh, but the sign, so the, the sign of obedience was the practice of circumcision. You know, just like wedding rings are a sign of our covenant in marriage, that's usually the one time we talk about covenant because it's ongoing, it's lifetime, lifetime that we have a covenant of a 
husband and a wife. And so we have an outward sign of these wedding rings. And we wear them so people can see that we are in covenant with each other, right? And it's a, it's a symbol. It's, it's ongoing. It's, it's never-ending, right? And so just like wedding rings are an outward symbol of an invisible commitment, circumcision is also a symbol of the covenant that set Abram's family and then his nation apart from others and for God. And, and so we can see, and our, our second point today is the God who promises gives us signs to know his faithfulness. So he's given signs. He changes their names and he changes, so he changes their identity and who they are. But the other sign is he gave them something that makes them so different than the nations around them a sign of circumcision, to know that God is faithful, that, they have a, that, that every male realizes I'm different because I'm to be in covenant with the Lord God. And then we find out, I'm going to skip a couple chapters and just read a little bit more in, in Genesis, and we'll go to Genesis 21. And we find out here, so we've seen that the God who promises wants us to trust his ways, and the God who promises gives us signs to know his faithfulness. I don't know what signs he gives you or me, but he gives signs to know that he is faithful. What kind of signs? Think about those signs that he gives. But he gives signs to each of us to know that he is trustworthy, he is faithful. So in verse, or sorry, in chapter 21, it it then t- t- talks about the birth of Isaac. And what's interesting is, in chapter 20, so right before this, there's these three visitors that came. These three visitors that came, and they had a different uh, mission, what they were doing, but they mentioned to Abram, or, sorry, I keep saying Abram, Abraham now. They mentioned to Abraham that by the time, this time next year, your wife Sarah is going to be having a baby named Isaac. And Sarah laughs. because she's, she's, she's out of sight, but she can hear, and she laughs. And so there's this big discussion. Did, did she laugh or not? But, and I, I wonder if that's kind of the humor of like, his, his name means laughter, uh, Isaac. Because Abraham first laughed, and then Sarah laughed. Because, I mean, but then I think what's really cool is when, when they have a baby, these old people have a baby, I don't think laughter is a bad thing. I don't think it's like this sarcasm, I can't believe God. I think it's like this joy that they have. That they have this, this, this 100-year-old man and this 90-year-old woman are excited and they are just laughing excitedly that God is faithful in his promise. So we see there in chapter 21 that the Lord was gracious with Sarah, verse 1, and he said, and, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Let's know that. He did what he promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham at his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. So Abraham obeyed right away when God told him to, to circumcise his whole household. And then a year later, right away on the eighth day when he was told, 
he circumcised his son Isaac. And it says that Abraham was 100 years old when, he, when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who bears, or sorry, everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And this is a, a positive laugh, not a ha ha ha, but this is a positive laugh. <clears throat> and she added, who would have said Abraham and Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have bore him a son at this very old age. So Sarah was excited because she bore a son. She wasn't able to bear a son for, for her first 89 years of life. But now, at 90, she bears a son. She bears a child. That's, that's the impossible. God does only what he can... God does only the impossible. I mean, think about it. Have, you, have we ever heard outside of, outside of this story and, and then in the New Testament with with uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, of God or of any, ki- any person having a very, very old, uh, very, uh, getting pregnant and ha- having kids at very old ages outside of Bible. No, it just doesn't happen. It's, it's not possible. And so our third point today is that the, the God who promises shows us he fulfills his promises. He showed Abraham and Sarah that he fulfilled his promise. It took 25 years to even start. I mean, yeah, Isaac is not a great nation. He's a baby, <laughs> right? Isaac is not a great nation, but Isaac is the sign that they're going to have a great nation. One kid. The blessing was going to go through him. So God fulfills his promise. And I wonder... Sometimes we think, we look at Bible verses like, and we look at stories and we say, okay, God promised this to happen to Abraham. Well, what promises is he giving to us? What promises is he fulfilling in our life? And I want to just be careful with the whole idea of promises because sometimes we say, oh, God prom- if God promised that to Abraham, he's also promising that to me. Now, this seems a little bit more obvious. We wouldn't say God promised that Abraham's going to be a great nation, have to be a father of a great nation, a father of many, so that must mean he's also talking to us. But sometimes we do that, and I just want to caution us as we look at promises in the Bible to not just claim all promises that are in the Bible are for me, okay? So promises in the Bible, there's a lot of them that are for anyone that loves God, anyone that trusts in God, but we have to be really careful not just to claim any promise that we find in the Bible and say, all right, God, I'm waiting for you to fulfill this promise. Okay? So that's just a little caution. But, so that's, that's why we have things like, like Bible studies. We look and try to understand the Bible. We talk about, hey, is this, are these promises, or how does this apply to us? How is it just for us, us to understand more about the character and the heart of God? Okay? Um, that's why it's important that we are in our Bibles, that, that we spend time, not just in, in Bible study groups like on Wednesday nights, but also on a daily or regular basis, that we are understanding and digging into the Word of God. That we can talk to God through ideas of things like soap that I was sharing a few weeks ago. You know, taking Scripture and observing it and, and, and then applying it 
and then praying through it, but, or other ways, but looking at the Bible and spe- spending time in prayer and spending time in understanding about the Bible. But back to, back to this. So, so he show, God shows his faithfulness. He fulfills his faithfulness to Abraham and Sarah, and he does the impossible. Jesus even said in, in the Gospels, he said in Luke 18, verse 27, that what is impossible with man is possible with God. We know that God does the impossible. He doesn't, he does not always going to tell us the when and the how, but it doesn't matter about the when and the how. He is faithful anyways. He's faithful. His timing is not our timing. Um, and the main idea today is that the God who makes promises is faithful to keep them. The God who makes promises, he doesn't just make them and say, oh, I really promise, it's really going to happen, and then hopefully that you just can count on his word, or count, like hope, for, and then sometimes it's not going to happen. No. The, the, he doesn't make promises like we do. He makes promises with the intent to always fulfill them, to always keep them, because God is faithful, even when we aren't. I mean, Abraham, he did his own thing. He, he tried to be faithful to force God's promise, and look how it worked out. It wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't what was God, you don't force God to do something. You know, our series, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I I said the main idea of our whole series is how God is faithful. We're seeing that, that God is not just the God who is faithful to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but he's also the God that's faithful to us now and forever as long as we are here. And actually, I'm pretty sure, actually I know, even in heaven or whenever Jesus comes back and and people that, he takes the people that love him and we are with him in heaven, I'm pretty sure he's the same God then too. And he is faithful always. And so that's what the main idea of this whole sermon series is that God is faithful and we can trust him. Before I close, I just want to invite you to, to think through this a little bit. And I have a question on the bottom of your bulletin or you can look on the, on the screen. But this question is, you can ask yourself, what promises am I trusting the Lord to fulfill? Now remember, not all promises in the Bible are for us. But think to yourself, what promises am I trusting the Lord to fulfill? Or if you're not sure, then just talk to the Lord right now about the different promises and how He is faithful. So take a moment to think about this. Thank you, God, for your promises. Thank you that you fulfill your promises. And God, even if it takes a lot longer than we want, or it doesn't seem likely, or even seems impossible, God, we thank you that we can trust you. And so, God, I just ask for whatever promises that you are making with us as corporately or individually, God, that we could just lean on you and completely trust in your promises 
and trust not just in the good things that you do for us or the things that you're going to do for us in these promises, but would trust you, the good God that loves us and loves us enough to send your son to die in our place on the cross. And thank you, Jesus, that you didn't stay dead. But when you, when you defeated sin and death by raising to life, and you give us life. And so, Jesus, I just pray if there's anyone here or watching that doesn't know you and is not in relationship with you, Jesus, that you would call them to yourself and that you would give them promises that they can know that you are a faithful, trustworthy God, that you will fulfill all of those things. Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.